Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Yeah, welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. This is podcast 414. Kurt Morrison here. We've got some great news, a special guest today as we get into negotiation, getting others to want to do what you want them to do and like doing it. We have Marshall Wilkinson with us today. He's been featured on Fox News, Fox Business, Business Insider, New York Weekly, U.S. Reporter, and Yahoo Finance. Marshall's done over $2.5 billion, that's with a B, in verifiable business transaction. He was a construction executive for many years. Marshall's a preeminent leader in sales negotiation strategy, tactics, and psychology. Marshall, welcome. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's good to have you. Let's talk about some skills we should have learned in school, right? Skills that will make a big difference in business. But we have to get started. As our listeners know, put you on the spot. What is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? Man, that is a great question. I'll just tell you the vegetable I don't like, parsnips. Parsnips. <laughs> yeah, what good is a parsnips? I mean, I mean they have a good name. <laughs> it's just a personal thing, I guess. No, I think that's a new one on the show, and I think that's something I would never order at a restaurant. So yeah, I'd like a plate of parsnips, please. Well, you get it in a French restaurant. I like to go to French cuisine, and you'll get it in there, and I just don't like the taste of it, man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you on that one. We'll yeah. put parsnips on the list, everyone. <laughs> it's yeah, it's just the name, and we'll just let's just move on. That's a bad association trigger there. But let's start off too. We like to talk about great skills in negotiation. But let's start off with as you see the world changing and things happening. I know you do a lot with the negotiation and training. What yeah. do you feel is the worst negotiation blunder? The number one mistake, just that one thing you just see in too much that makes you cringe. Hands down, by far, people being ill-prepared for a negotiation. I don't think any one thing can blow a deal. There's a lot of forgiveness in a negotiation. People have different styles. People are more eloquent than others. They can express themselves better than others may. And even though you may be deficient in those areas, if you are prepared, you'll get a better outcome. What I see constantly is people go into negotiations and they're just winging it. They don't have a strategy and they're just shooting from the hip. That's the biggest thing I see. And I mean the gamut from negotiating a $300 million construction project to negotiating $10,000 for a Toyota Corolla. I'm with you on that. I mean, it seems like you're to pay with your time up front preparing your lost money on the back end. And we know it's important, but why do you think that is that we've all heard prepare, get ready, you know, think about different outcomes, making the pie bigger. Why is it? Is it just laziness? We're too busy. What is the big issue here? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a mixture of things, right? I think it's a mixture of naturally lazy, but I also do believe that people don't have confidence in their ability to negotiate. If you knew that if you did prepare and you knew what you were doing, that you'd get a more favorable outcome, well, you do it. I think the reason why you shy away from doing anything is because you don't want to do it. You don't think it's going to work. You don't have the confidence in yourself or you don't want to deal with the pain that's required to sit down, stop and think. And I think a lot of the stuff that we hear uh, that we need to prepare in a negotiation is bunk. People don't necessarily even really understand it and how to execute it and do it. 
So I don't think they believe that they'll even get a favorable outcome. Yeah, I like that. I think we need to treat it like sales at every nose worth $500 or yeah, something every, like that. Every minute of preparations worth a thousand dollars for you. we put a monetary value. And I think people will take it a lot more seriously, but I'm with you on that one being prepared, getting in their shoes, trying to figure it out. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, you know, I got into persuasion influence mostly because I was mad. They didn't teach me in school. Why are you so passionate? Why are you trading on negotiation? Why are you doing what you do? That's a great question. So my background is I'm a second generation contractor. The root word of contractor is contract. A lot of people think that the construction business is just hard hats and screwdrivers and hammers. And when you're on the executive end, we had a $100 million family business. We're local three and local 25 union electrical contractor, union employee, employee over 100 employees. When you are in the C-suite of a business like that, I'm not in the field terminating wire nuts. We're negotiating every day, all day. Risk, our family fortune and risk is in the street every single day. It forces you to get serious about the subject matter. But I also had a natural proclivity. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I like being a businessman. I like persuading. I like closing deals, getting people to see my side of an argument. I like weaving logic into things. I just naturally like doing that. So I built on those those powers, so to speak, to turn them into a superpower. I kind of just stumbled into the teaching people how to do it in a coaching realm, just on social media, people reaching out to me, asking me if I can help them. If the story really is, is when Instagram got a live feature, it was on Instagram. I, it's the only account I had on Instagram. They came out with a, a feature that allows you to go live. And when they first came out with that feature, they really promoted it. And so what I started to do was I'd, I'd take my phone, I put it in a little cradle in my office, and I would go live for the entire day, kind of like uh, allowing people to voyeur type of thing. Because I, I knew that the stuff that we were doing was at such a high level, and I was kicking so much butt doing it, I wanted to get some respect for it. I saw a lot of what I would call charlatans, guys talking about something they know nothing about and have never done in reality, teaching people on the internet how to do something. So I didn't have a megaphone. I wasn't in a position to say, hey, I'm going to stop what I'm doing as an executive and I'm going to start being a guru or something. But what I did do is I was able to take my phone, go live and show the world how it's really done. That's also my type of personality, by the way, I'm very pugilistic and by nature like that. I cultivated a following doing that. No ad dollars spent, nothing. Just going live and letting the, the uh, Instagram algorithm push that. And from that, guys saw that, I was a legitimate guy doing real stuff. They reached out to me, asked for coaching, and that then grew its own legs and morphed into you know what I currently have going on and what I'm doing today. I love that the voyeur being a fly on a wall, learning from other people that are actually doing it. Yeah, it's a career. Like you mentioned, how novel a, is that? I know it's a superpower. <laughs> it really is. And I mean, when you need to negotiate somebody, it's too late to learn. People try to Google it five minutes before, as we both know that just does not, not going to work. work. No. But as we looked at the world is getting crazy with everything going on and COVID, what have you seen as some of the big changes in negotiation, maybe even in business in the last you know couple of years? What are some things that we kind of need to shift gears a little bit that has maybe surprised you a little bit or yeah, just a big yeah. change? That's a great that's a great question, Kurt. And I and I know why you asked it because I know that what I'm going to say you've experienced too and are ex experiencing. 
Never did I ever think in life I'd be I'll be doing business in, on basically a TV set. <laughs> you know, my office is a set now, cameras and lights and and all that. And I think that's the biggest thing that's changed for me is that business is done on Zoom. No longer just in my office staring at my phone screaming at it so to speak, you know. I have a camera, I have to get lighting right, I need to make sure my audio is right. I need to have these peripherals that are dialed in in order for me to get my message across and be able to do what I typically would do in person and without any of this stuff. So I think you kind of have to understand that and make a change a little bit in this new world. Listen, I'm a big guy. I'm, I'm six foot tall, ex football player. Believe it or not, when I'm sitting down and doing a negotiation, my size and my, I, I, there's a presence that I have in person. I know it and I play to it. And I use it to my advantage when I can, and it's necessary. That's gone now. I'm not seeing you face-to-face anymore. Mm-hmm. You're looking at me through a camera. A lot of that that I used to be able to get in that feel, I guess maybe even dialed in EQ that I'd have, knowing that I'm sitting at a table with a bunch of people, which is typically, by the way, how all my deals were done by committee. Big construction projects, not just one guy. It's a bunch of guys at the table and playing off of different personalities and stuff. That's gone now. It still exists, but it's gone. It's at a far diminished degree of a tangibleness, if that's if I if I'm making the point correctly, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. That's the biggest change I've seen. I've I've had to get used to doing that. And you know how I do it? Just practice. (laughs) I turn the zoom on, I get on with an employee and I say, Hey, let's role play this thing. How do I look on the camera? How do I sound? Is this point getting across the same as it used to? I, I have to dial it in. I love that you practice. I mean, we all hate Zoom, but the reality is it's reality. It's the new <laughs> normal. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get used to it. Like you say, reading a room, that emotional intelligence, the your presence, like a lot of that's missing now. And that's a tough thing. But as you're doing these business transaction and doing these things, negotiation via Zoom, is there something that you're being that you've seen that really hurts people's ability to negotiate via Zoom? Yeah, I do. I feel like because they're on Zoom, they don't ask for the deal. Hmm. Remember, at least from my experience, everybody has different experience and every business has its own peculiarities, right? In my business, they would accept my pricing as a contractor, let's say. Let's say we're going to develop something. We're going to do a build. I did 56 Leonard in Manhattan. I don't know if you're familiar with that building. Mm -hmm. It's the Jenga building. It's a landmark building. Let's say we're going to go do that, okay? Now, they're going to accept my price to do that job. Let's say they accepted the price. I'm walking them through my plan and my strategy, my schedule of values. We're not negotiating price because it's typically lowest bidder type deal. I come in and I negotiate contract terms. I got to mitigate risk. Even though we're negotiating, I still need to ask for the deal. I still have to close it. Now, being in person, it's so much easier. So after we all hash it out and everybody's emotions are on the table and we banged it out, and we, we did an Ali Frazier thing. Everyone's tired and everything is all in order. Then I'd say, all right, can we ink this thing now? Can we get this thing finished? Have these guys type it up? Or how about we, you pencil it in right now? I'll initial it. Let's get this thing inked. In person, it's so much easier to do that. In Zoom, I notice parties just say, okay, great. Thank you. We'll get back to you. We'll, we'll make the changes and send it to you and click and the meeting's over. And so it just added another step and another layer to getting the deal done. Where in person, I would have wrapped it up right there. Wow. So closers, listen to that. That's important. Just because you're on Zoom and not face-to-face doesn't mean you shouldn't seal and close the deal. Ask for their business. Let's get this done. That's a great point. 
that's interesting psychology there. Why people just aren't as, yeah. I don't know if it's aggressive or just willing to ask for the business. They're willing to do it more face-to-face via Zoom. I, that's an interesting observation. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely my case. People, ask for the business. Make it happen. Get it done more at Zoom or face-to-face. Really important information. So as you developing these negotiation strategies or philosophies, how do you develop these? Are these from experience, science, all of the above? I mean, where, where are these strategies coming from? Well, my strategies are a Frankenstein of all the guys that came before me. I guess it's a mixture of everything to answer that question, but I will tell you that I've had the benefit of being in meetings and working with really smart and effective people that I've been able to basically steal from. Mm -hmm. And so I piece together the good from this guy, the good from this gal, put them together, and I make it work for the way I operate my personality and what I think I can pull off, so to speak, and deliver on. As far as like academically reading and training and things like that, I'll tell you, that I'm probably, um, I'm not as versed in that area as other guys are. I'm really, I'm incredibly practical in in uh, application and in understanding. If I can see it and I've witnessed it work, then I'm going to double down on that because the only thing I care about is it working. So that's kind of where it has all came from and internally. The reason why I've been able to codify it is because I was I was basically forced to have to come up with a playbook and codify it because in my position, I negotiated every single contract. That was my job as an executive. I saw every contract that came in that door and I negotiated it. However, I always had to run things up the flagpole. I was never able to be like, okay, you got it. I'm going to give you this. You give me this. And we ink today. I couldn't because there were other partners that always wanted the info. And, And I was always the youngest guy in the room. I had to basically prove to them that I have a set of strategies and a system and a sequence of operations that I've been using successfully that I can replicate the successes I've been delivering, that they're not just one-offs, that I didn't just get lucky a few times, that you've, you guys let the line out on me here and give me the opportunity, I will continue to take these home for you. I basically had to codify a playbook. That's a true story. That is how I've come up with the strategies and tactics that I teach to my people today. I don't take street smarts over book smarts any day, right? I mean, we read some things in books like, well, that sounds good, but that's not really how it works. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely, right? (laughs) Let me ask you this. We talk on the show, we call them the dirty deeds or the dark psychological mean tricks people pay in negotiation. What would you identify as the, the meanest trick, the darkest tactic, the things that people are still using in negotiation that people, not that we want them to use them, but to mentally prepare for? Anything that comes to mind as far as a a trick, a tactic, an old school tool people are using in negotiation that could throw people off and not ready for it? Almost everything I do is that. I got to tell you, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm constantly manipulating and and I and but not in a pejorative. I just want to preface this because I, you know, the listeners, I want them to understand that I don't negotiate from a nefarious point of view. It's just that the uh, or with a nefarious intent. It's just that the position that I'm always in as a contractor, I have all the knives in the bag thrown at me at one time. Mm -hmm. So I have to do what's necessary in order to get to a position that I can even negotiate a reasonable deal because all contracts are draconian and lopsided in nature against the contractor. So with massive money and risk in the street constantly, 
I have to do what I have to do to get to what I call the power flip to I, to I could get to a point where I could actually start negotiating what, what matters to us. And so I think one of the sneakiest, darkest, darkest and manipulative things is something that I call the man down strategy. And the man down strategy is nearly almost every contractor's default strategy. It gets a little bit nasty in the fact that I will, and I recommend that you do inflate the value of many, many things in a contract and cry your eyes out and play the theatrics, inflate the value of things that are not really that important to you, that you are willing to give away, but you will be acting as if they are very important and that they are killing you by you giving it away, that they're being unreasonable and not working in the spirit of cooperation. And eventually, as you've given all this away and they've kind of taken the breath out of you and, and beat the crap out of you, so to speak, then playing on a sympathy factor of reasonability and working together as a team, especially as a contractor owner, we need to work together as a team. After you've beat me up and I've cried a little bit and kind of lost my altitude, so to speak, I know that you will be more open to giving me some things, at least as like a sympathy and out of just being a pathetic guy that you just beat up and boosting your ego, at which point those things I ask for are the stuff that I really wanted in the beginning. Uh, I love it. Good point. Good point. So, and, and that's called the man down strategy. And that is very dark. It psychologically screws <laughs> with people and, uh, but it works. But it is, works. And it's part of the game. I mean, yeah, you it's part play of the game. the game. You're not going to win this game. And so you got to come in and get ready to play the game. That's just how it is. So you have this negotiation community. You call it ALP, altitude, logic, and pressures. Can you explain each one of those just a little bit? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I have this community. It's sales and negotiating. I've been asked for many years, what is your thing? I don't know if you're familiar with Grant Cardone. Oh, sure. I'm friends with Grant Cardone. I know, I've know i known Grant for a while. He has the 10X thing. Dan Pena has the QLA. Everybody has a thing, right? And so I've been asked by my people who I've coached and I've trained, what's your thing? How, what do we call this? For many years, I just didn't know. I just said, you know, just call it reality, man. I'm just, I'm teaching you how to win here. I don't have a system. I'm not selling a course. But as this thing grew and we created a community, I knew I needed to brand this in some manner. I knew we needed some, some sort of bylaws, a thesis statement, something that brings us together and keeps an esprit de corps in this community. I came up with ALP, Altitude, Logic, and Pressure, because if you break down everything that I talk about and teach and what I actively do every day, those are the elements that are constantly in play. Those are the silos philosophy of movements that I'm doing. A is altitude. That's kind of self-explanatory, you know, flying high, being an expert in your space, not justifying yourself. Somebody who walks in and very clearly is sharp as attack, knows his stuff, is an expert and is the person who looks and sounds like the guy that can take you to the promised land, that will deliver on the obligations and promises he's making to you. That's altitude. Cannot get a deal done without altitude. Nobody wants to do business with a schmuck. If you're on trial, you don't want the Brooklyn Law kid that just graduated. You want a guy who's got snow on the roof, who's got like 150 trials on him. You want the best guy. You want Cochrane. You don't want the kid that just graduated law school. So altitude is extremely important. If you're not an expert in your space, then why are you even worth listening to? So knowing your stuff and not faking the funk, basically. So that's altitude. The next thing is logic. To me, logic is the most, one of the most important things in any communication. Can't get a deal done without it. In fact, I even think that it supersedes emotion, and I actually think it is emotion. 
The most emotional thing I can do to somebody is tell them the truth. Nobody wants to hear that. If I want to get a rise out of you, dude, I won't future pace you. Like imagine yourself sitting in this car and the wind blowing in your hair and the women at the stoplight looking at you. And like, that's just so stupid. Okay. But if I use logic or if I tell you the truth, I will jostle, evoke the emotion that I'm looking for, especially if I deliver it with the proper tonality. So logic is crucial. You got to put a guy in a box, man. Let me ask you a question. What's better, one wheel or two wheels? He's going to say two wheels. Yeah. Logic makes it self-evident and does all the convincing for you. Because remember, man, the more you justify, the less your altitude is. Mm -hmm. Like if you start negotiating with the kid, who's in power, the parent or the kid? Yeah. Like my old man never negotiated with me. He told me what the deal was, and that was it. He had all the altitude in the scenario. He was the expert and the breadwinner and the guy, right? So if he started negotiating with me, hey, listen, Marshall, the reason why I want you to cut the grass today is because I need you to be a good boy and all that. Then who's really in control here? So altitude, logic, and then the next piece of the puzzle is pressure. When I say pressure, I mean professional pressure. I don't mean degrading people and cussing them out and stuff like that. I mean pressuring a guy, meaning asking him to do the deal, man. You know, let's do this thing. Let's get the ball rolling. Let me ask you, what's the biggest fear here, bro? What's the worst case scenario? I'm going to ask you, my intention today is to do business with you. You ready to do this thing? Putting pressure on them. If you have altitude, you have logic, you've explained why it needs to be done, and that if he doesn't do it, he has to admit that he's being illogical. Okay? And you ask him to do the deal over and over again. You guys are in a state of agreement. You are going to get a deal. Sweet. I love it. What have I missed? What is that one thing you want our listeners to know about negotiation any specific skill or tactic or one thing we've missed you know you and i could talk about this for eight hours right there's Mm -hmm. so much we're we're kind of surface level here but i mean if if there is a main takeaway from this from the for the audience i will say that preparation is key because you can't have alp if you are not prepared and don't know what to say and don't know what your outcome is and what you're looking for So I can't fly high, put you in a logical box and pressure you to do something if I don't even know what I want to get out of this thing. So preparing and understanding what they may want, the other side, and exactly what you're looking for to get out of it to make it a win for you, you have to spend some time thinking about it and preparing. So I think that's an easy takeaway rather than getting into some of the more complex stuff. Marshall, great information. Appreciate your time, your energy, your your knowledge, your wisdom. How can our sure. listeners find out more about you and what you do? Uh, you can go to my website, marshallwilkinson.com. Uh, you could find me on Instagram, real Marshall Wilkinson. Also on TikTok, pop me in Google, Marshall Wilkinson. You'll see me there. Thanks, Marshall. Appreciate the great information. Maximizers, go out, take something you learn, use it, become a better negotiator, change your life, change your income, change your success. Tell your family and friends and enemies about Maximize Your Influence. The podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube under Maximize Your Influence. Go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com for the latest information, the archives, and take your free Persuasion IQ assessment. See where you rank in the world of persuasion, negotiation, and influence. Master these skills, become a better negotiator, better influencer, learn to convince others, and go out and persuade with power.